I'm ready, isn't it? I can switch it on. So just a, a bit of explanation. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're reading from John's Gospel, chapter 8 this morning. And I think on the service sheet, it's just one, one verse, possibly. Um, and Andrew's going to put the full reading up, which I think... Yeah, which is uh, John chapter 8, starting at verse 1. So reading the first 12 verses. And if you'd like to follow in a church Bible, you can find it on page 1073. 1073 in the church Bibles. John chapter 8, starting at verse 1, in the middle of a sentence. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray together for a moment. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for these wonderful I am sayings in the Bible. We want to thank you for all that they all the light that they shine on the person and nature of the Lord Jesus. We ask you, Father, that this morning you will shine a little new light on this familiar passage. Amen. Could we have the outline up? Great, thank you. Um, So this morning is going to just be a few thoughts around the context and the meaning of John 8.12. And then secondly, some applications of what does it mean for light to, to be coming out through us and being in us. So next slide, please. So looking at that context, I love the passage that's just been read to us. I love the way that Jesus is so utterly cool. You know, this is a passage that's coming to us from 2,000 years ago, before happy days and the fonds, before cool and rock and roll even was even thought of, um, when maybe formality and uh, impressiveness was much more important. Um, but Jesus just comes across as a totally simple person in the sense of he's, he's writing on the, on the ground with um, his finger while all these people are getting very excited. He's, he's just a man who's totally uh, knows what his father is wanting him to do. 
And he doesn't use loads and loads of words. He just has a few points to make and they suddenly cut the hearers to the quick and, and the woman to the quick. But he's also expressed his love at the same time. So that's the context, um, which I think is amazing. Um, he's shone his light into the consciences of all those people who were accusing the woman. They all knew that their, their consciences were not clear, and that's why they walked away. And he's shone his light into the conscience of the woman, too. She knew she was in the wrong, and, and he, he didn't walk away from that, but he still expressed his love whilst expressing his purity at the same time. So that's the context. Next slide, please. Let's unpack the verse a little bit. Uh, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. Um, so it begins with this statement, I am the light of the world. So that I am is quite significant, as I'm sure a lot of you know, that when God revealed himself to Moses, he, um, he said, I am who I am. What name should, should we use? His name is I am. So for the Jews to use this phrase, I am, was highly, highly significant. Um, Jesus later in John says, before Abraham was, I am. Um, and that caused a lot, a lot of reaction. Uh, Jesus was not afraid to accept worship from his own disciples and from others. Um, the Pharisees knew what he meant when he said that um, his actions and, the, and the, the, the statements he made made out that he was God and is God. Next slide, please. So I am the light of the world. Interestingly, in John, you've got... Um, 16 occurrences of the word light and it appears more than in most of the other gospels and um, Sarah used a really brilliant um, other example in the confession from John John 3 wasn't it um, and uh, light is there right at the very beginning of John um, Jesus being described um, as the word uh, in him was light and that light was the light of men um, and later in the gospel accounts, in Luke, we see that um, uh, the light, light stopped at the point when Jesus died, that there was darkness covering the land. Um, and then right on in Revelation, we see that uh, Jesus, uh, his face is like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And on the Transfiguration Mount, that also um, was, was evident, uh, as well as when Daniel had a, a vision of someone who may well have been Jesus. So I am the light of the world. Next slide, please. Whoever follows me, I think one of the things that we have to be really careful about when we look at the Bible is when there is a promise um, like this one, whoever follows me will, not, will never walk in darkness but have the light of life, that we're that we look at every part of it. And we, we're in a very, very fast-moving world. And a lot of time, people don't have time to really dig into things and look at them carefully. But if we're going to, you know, if your mum or dad, when you were a kid, made you a promise and said, if you do this, then I'll give you a sweet, uh, that you can't just 
gloss over the if and just say, I'll have the sweet because you're my parent, you love me. That there's an if and then. And then. So it's really important to look at scripture and, and look at each part. So whoever follows me, Jesus is looking for these words to, to apply, uh, these words that follow, um, to apply to those who are his followers. Not those who just go to church, not those who are just uh, baptized, good that those things are. But he's looking for those who are following him, his disciples. Next slide, please. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Um, for me, when I became a Christian aged 15, which is a little bit of a while ago now, I'd already been going to church for quite a few years. And I believed in God. And I really wanted to show my respect to God, but I didn't really understand the Bible. I didn't really understand Christianity, I thought, I remember looking at a church one day and thinking, wow, to become a minister in a church, you must have to learn so many complicated things, and it must be, it must be, there must be so many intricacies that you need to know to get there into the kind of holy of holies with God. But I just saw myself as a person who turned up, you know, doffed my cap to God, didn't really kind of get religion, but I wanted to show God that I was, uh, you know, I, I was... I respected him. Um, but then a key came into my life through a youth group and a Christian union at school and some friends that Jesus wanted a personal relationship with me. It was utterly, utterly astounding. This was the key that unlocked all that darkness I'd been sitting in um, for about four years of uh, going to church, which when you're a teenager seems like half your life. Um, uh, and the lights came on for me, and, and I had what I believe what the Bible would call a spiritual new birth. It didn't, there weren't massive flashing lights and emotions, but I rested on the promises of God. Um, and over the next year or so, new appetites developed, new sensations uh, were, were I experienced. And very much more important than that, perhaps, for me, because I was quite a loner as a young teenager, was new connections with people. I really felt that those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ, there was something that, that, that united us beyond mere kind of teenage popularity, which I didn't really have at that point, uh, never have had. Next slide, please. Um, that they might have the light of life, not walk in darkness. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot in the last uh, 10 days is about um, the death of our uh, friend Alan Johnston, who's been with us at church here for a number of years following the death of his wife and, um, and Pad's taking the funeral. He, we've been very privileged to have him in our home group for the last two or three years. And it's been really hard not having him around. And we've known that he's basically been dying over a long period. Uh, he's the, such a lovely person. We've seen as a home group how God has um, lifted him from a place of darkness after his wife died to a place of light um, where bit by bit his questions have been answered about the Lord and bit by bit he's come into a kind of new expression and understanding of who God is. So we're really, really gutted that he's passed away, and especially that he's had to suffer so much, but so thankful that he 
uh, died knowing the light of life. Um, and there's some things up there about <laughs> what the light of life does. Next slide, please. So what are the practical applications of all this? Um, light shines outwards. Um, I did a physics degree. I didn't really need to do that to learn that light shines outwards, but it does. You know, um, this is a lovely church. It's a fantastic modern facility. Occasionally, you can see light shining out of that window, but the rest of the time, it's just like a kind of prison. You can't see what's going on at all. Um, it, highly, highly effective design to avoid vandalism in the 60s, probably. Um, but um, to, to express that light shining through us, we need to express not church, come to church, you'll love church, church is great, which it is, but actually we need to express Jesus, the master, um, the one that people really are intrigued by. You know, it's amazing how many lyrics of um, uh, contemporary songs um, involve reference to Jesus or some kind of slightly edgy uh, kind of cutting down of Jesus or religion. It's amazing that, you know, in an era when Richard Dawkins thinks religion is dead, that actually, really, we're still fascinated. We may not want to follow yet, but so many people in this world see Jesus as a pivotal person. And, and we have that opportunity to share him with our uh, neighbours and friends, as Inga beautifully prayed earlier. And we've still got that great commission upon us of Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Um, next slide, please. Um, as well as that light shining through us, the light needs to shine between us. Um, one of the things that's been a big help to me in my Christian life is to serve on Operation Mobilization a few times when I was in my 20s, which is a, a kind of evangelistic um, mission organization that's active all over the world. And um, one of the big emphasis from the founder is the importance of having light in our uh, relationships one with another. If we've got um, unforgiven sin, if we've got... Um, grudges, if we've got resentment between us, it will block the work of God. It will block it for us individually. It might block it in, in, for the whole of our congregation or even wider afield. It's something we've always got to be aware of. Um, and one of the things that I thought was lovely this morning was having a little bit more of a, uh, having the peace where we share it with everybody. Because I think one of the, the origins of that kind of rather quaint um, habit is that if we share the peace with everybody, then if there's that person that we, we don't really want to look in the eye, it's, we're going to have to do it. And I think that the aim of that is to, to get rid of any blockages before we go to communion, and that's so important. Next slide, please. A couple more thoughts relating to um, light shining through us, and then I'm done. Um, it's tempting in this era to believe various things that we, we see in the media or just things that Christians have come to believe. You know, no one will listen. Uh, we can't ram it down their throats. It's not legal to say that anymore. We need to focus internally. 
um, then we'll have strength as a congregation to, to actually reach out. All of those things, um, are, you know, I suppose have got a grain of truth, but they can be so easily reasons why actually we decide not to let that light shine through us. Next slide, please. Um, one of the things that came out um, in 2017 when we did Southgate's Big Questions was um, some of the uh, openness of the 300 plus questions that were submitted by members of the community. Um, why are we here? What's the point of our existence? What's the meaning of life? Why do people die? What is heaven like? And we, we see all of, of these kind of things reflected in national uh, mental health statistics, suicide statistics. These are, these are real questions. So we do have a, a community around us who, who wants to hear. They're not quite sure what the message is yet or what, whether they want Christianity. Uh, but they know that there's a need. There's a God-shaped hole for them. Next slide, please. So 2019, uh, we're still in January. Um, new year, new opportunity. Uh, let's put the past behind us uh, in a good way. Um, let's look forward to what we could do in terms of letting light shine out from us as individuals, as home groups, as, as a church, into our uh, community around us. How can we connect um, the hungry people that we know with Jesus? Not with, not with us, not with church, uh, not with the C of E, lovely though it is, um, but with Jesus. Um, if we do nothing, they may never know him. Um, you know, praise God, Alan is a man who died in January 2019 knowing that who God is. There, there will be other people that will die this month who don't know Christ. Um, like I'm as responsible for that as, as everyone else. But we live in a, in a world that's really a, a post-Christian society. So we can't assume that people will know what the gospel message is. Um, how we get it to them isn't going to be easy. Next slide, please. Um, just a few thoughts. Partnerships. Um, maybe the more we get together, the more that's going to help. If we do stuff as a home group. Um, if we meet together with other Christians in the area, and we're, we're only like 50, 60 people here, well, there's another similar number at the mission, maybe a few less at Grange. There's other Christians that live in the area like Paul and Wendy and other people who go to other churches that we could kind of gang together with and do something bigger than we could do ourselves. Um, Southcote Alive uh, is one of those expressions of that, and, and actually that just came out of a couple of home groups talking um, eight years ago. Um, so I think that's all I've got to say, really. Um, so just have a think about any ideas you've got for how light can come out from us as a church and as individuals, and please partner with the PCC in terms of passing them to PCC members so we can talk about them and look at them or just go ahead and do something as a home group without telling us. That'd be great. Let's just take a moment uh, before we come to communion just to... Um just to reflect on those things that Steve has uh, shared with us this morning. 